Welcome back to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. I am your host, Andy, here with my lovely co-hosts of Nate and Zach. And we're here to discuss uh, probably what we all should have seen coming right from the get-go is another Husker loss. Nebraska falls on senior day to Wisconsin 14-15. to And uh, for a while, uh, I was at the game and it, you know, it looked somewhat optimistic and you know i should have known better i was definitely foolish in thinking man this this might go our way for once you know the defense for the most part played a heck of a game in terms of you know how bad they've been all season stopping the run you know it's the first time they've held any wisconsin running back under 100 yards and probably i would guess the last four to five meetings if not more um so, I mean, if you would have told me that before the game, I would have said, well, yeah, Nebraska wins by like maybe, you know, three or more points because, you know, you finally stop Wisconsin to run. You make Graham Mertz the terrible quarterback that he is throw. Um, and, you know, as per Nebraska ways, we find a way to not be smart and uh, throw away another game. And I think I know I texted you guys after the game. I think this was like, this was more infuriating, not just because of the loss, but because this was the most beatable Wisconsin has looked in years that we have played them. And the fact that we suck even more to not beat them hurts more. Um, I mean, you look, I mean, you you tell me that like your defense gives up 15 points uh, on the game. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, your offense is easily going to come down and help you. I mean, you probably win that game anytime you hold a football team to 15 points at least. Um, Unless you're also my Denver Broncos, but you know, that's a whole nother situation. I, I guess it's the same story. Both offenses suck on either way, but uh, regardless, Nebraska falls to three and eight on the season uh, with an upcoming black Friday tradition game against Iowa, which does not look optimistic, uh, but we'll dive more into that later as well as I, the time of recording this right now, uh, Nebraska currently does not have a head coach yet. You know, things could change in 24 hours. Things could not happen through the weekend. Um, so we'll dive more into just kind of as the coaching rumors have flared up and everything. But I'll pass it to Nate for just kind of his quick initial thoughts on the game. And then we'll circle back around. Yeah, so that game was pretty much the epitome of they are who we thought they were. Um <laughs> It was just a Big Ten grinded out, ugly sort of game. Uh, weather seemed fine. I mean, it looked a little chilly out there, but I mean, no impact. Uh, it was it was uh, quite cold. Uh, <laughs> I can't confirm. Not the coldest game I've been to, but it was quite cold. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't snow when you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> From my North Dakota standards, you were fine. Uh, <laughs> but it it was a pretty I don't know forgettable game again. There were. There was a brief period there, as you mentioned, uh, during that game where I was thinking maybe we can pull this out. You know, we've got the 14 to 3 lead over them. We just got to play smart football and actually close out a game. But uh, ultimately, Nebraska fumbled the bag and lost 15 to 14, dropping their fifth straight game in a row. Uh, so, not too much to say on that front, I guess. Another unfortunate Nebraska loss. Uh, 
I don't know. That's about all I got. I'll pass it over to Zach. <laughs> Quick thoughts here. Stop me if you've heard this one. Nebraska suffers another one possession loss or one, you know, one score loss. Um, and we managed to do it again. Like, <clears throat> at least at, at a certain point in the past couple of games, it was like, yep, okay. You know, we are definitely kind of falling off the rails. Like, you kind of know what to expect to a degree. Like, yep, that they, they, they have us beat. Uh, the weird part about this game was that for the first half, maybe even first three quarters, I thought to myself, like, are we about to beat Wisconsin in a year that basically feels lost to us, even though like beating Wisconsin would be amazing. Are we about to beat Wisconsin? And then of course, I, I don't know, as superstitious as I am, I, I said that. And then, uh, then we saw the fourth quarter happen. And then <laughs> clearly I need to just stop having thoughts in, in terms of the Huskers because <laughs> again, superstition clearly takes over and therefore it's my fault is how I take it. So, uh, you know, it was boring is not the right way to put it because it wasn't a boring game in general, but it just like nothing happened until Wisconsin needed something to happen and then they made it happen. And so I kind of like you both said, you know, we knew who they were and Nebraska, unfortunately, uh, kind of reverted back to the ways of old and played us a fairly solid game uh, in terms of just staying in it the whole time uh, and then getting to the fourth quarter and apparently forgetting what to do with their hands and dropping the game. So another tough loss, um, not the most fun game to watch, uh, but you know, we, we move forward. And at this point, I think um, a lot of Husker nation is in the same page where, I think the remaining bit of hope is we have a new coach on the horizon, whoever it may be, uh, as Andy said, as the time of recording this. Yes. Um, <laughs> I swear if something happens tomorrow on Thanksgiving, I'm going to have a lot of questions as to why, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but things are heating up in that space, which I, you know, I know we'll talk about eventually, but I suppose let's uh, jump right into the Wisconsin game and I'll pass back to Andy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, first half, uh, I mean, Nebraska, I mean, having Casey Thompson, as we knew this entire season gives us the best chance to win this game and, you know, scoring, I don't think we score both those touchdowns. If Casey's not playing, you know, you might score one, you might get a field goal, but you know, just having Casey back just kind of gave the offense a, not a new sense of life, but just more, more life than they had the past two to three games when they haven't had Casey in and you know I thought it was very brave I mean obviously you know a couple of his runs were just improvised scrambles and I was yelling in the stands the entire time slide 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 because you cannot afford to get hurt because you're already injured and we don't have anybody else that we can confidently play but Casey took some of those hits got right back up and you know survived the whole game without being hurt or killed um but, you know, I think as a coaching staff and as a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, Whipple and Mickey both have to tell Casey, like, hey, you know, we know you're hurt. We know you want to play tough, but like you have to be smart about this, too. Um, thankfully, he nothing happened with him. But, you know, that just kind of goes back to what we've seen all year. It's just kind of, you know, we need either Mickey or Whipple just to kind of step up and take leadership and be like, hey, stop this. 
you know, play smart, just do what you're supposed to do. Um, and not, you know, yelling at Casey for taking off and running because he got us some big plays and some big first downs. But, um, you know, you just in the situation the offense is, you have to kind of realize that I can do some things, but I also have to be smart about my body and my health to kind of help this team and help uh, get us the win. But um, outside of that, I mean, you know, a couple of those touchdowns, uh, both Trey Palmer touchdowns, nice to see him get it back on track. Um, not in terms of yardage, um, but just at least, you know, getting some confidence boosting touchdowns um, that he hasn't really seen the past couple of weeks. Um, and obviously that goes back to the quarterback play uh, that we all know about, but, you know, nice to see him get back on track uh, for that on the offense in terms of defense. Uh, we knew what Wisconsin was going to come in and do. And I know that we'd mentioned this last week on the podcast was the key to beating Wisconsin is obviously stopping the run and making Graham Mertz throw the ball because Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback, but we have an innate ability to make bad quarterbacks look like great quarterbacks, which we did, <laughs> especially towards the end of that game when Graham Mertz, you know, I think uh, one of our friends, Tyson, <laughs> had said this is the Graham Mertz uh, Heisman drive for uh, for the win. And uh, yeah, that is that's exactly what happened. Uh, Nebraska making backups look like Brady. And I understand correct. Mertz is not a backup, <laughs> but I still stand by the statement. It was, you know, making making him throw the ball because he threw that early interception uh, to a hard sog, which. You know, I know we had said it last week, but I mean, Hardsock has just come such a long way from where he was at the beginning of the season to now as a freshman cornerback, uh, starting cornerback uh, even too. So that's, I mean, that's credit to Bill Bush. I think Travis Fisher, who got moved to safeties and uh, cornerbacks uh, after the Chenander firing, um, just shows what a good job both those coaches have done of just getting, you know, him especially ready to play, but uh, the entire defense as well. not that you know they've you know they still gave up 235 rushing yards or however many it was um so that's still not a great stat to uh look at but like i mentioned before you know we had first time we've held a wisconsin running back any wisconsin running back under 100 yards um so i would have taken that 10 out of 10 times if you would have told me that before the game and like yep i'll i don't care what the score is if you know holding somebody under 100 yards rushing i mean you have a better chance to win the game now if you look at the box score and the stats, two of their running backs were pretty much near a hundred yards with Braylon Allen uh, with 92 and then Chez Bolzani, or I don't even know how to say Malusi, that. Name. I think. Yeah. That guy uh, had 98 yards. So, you know, not a hundred yards, but felt like a hundred yards, especially if you watch the game of how they ran. Um, I think it's just, you know, the defense had some flashes of good and some flashes of bad, especially that's kind of the common thing we've seen in the second half of like the past couple games is they kind of come out, start strong, I guess besides the Michigan game, but I mean, Illinois, Purdue, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they kind of start the first half strong and kind of give you hope. And then the second half is when the big 10 lines start to push us around and start to fatigue us and wear us down. And that's exactly what happened in the second half. Uh, Wisconsin just stuck to their game plan they kind of looked how I thought they would look. Uh, to me, they didn't look panicked, kind of how like Minnesota never looked panicked in the second half when we played them. You know, they just kept sticking to what their game plan was and, you know, popped a few big runs, popped a few big play action passes. Um, we 
cannot cover a tight end rollout to save our lives. I they hit that play probably three or four times, and it was so obvious every single time they ran it, and yet we just did not adapt and adjust to it. Um, it's going to be key when we play Iowa. Now, thankfully, Iowa's top tight end is out this week, uh, so that you know saves Nebraska a little bit of defensive help uh, with having. I guess not having to guard uh, Laporta uh, for Friday, but you know Wisconsin ran that tight end rollout, yeah, at least three to four times, and I'm, I saw it every single time. And I'm like, yep, he's going to be open in the flat and get another seven plus yards out of it, and he did every single time. Um, but I mean, that's what you get with a great running team too. Is you know you have the ability to set up the play action pass, uh, whether it's you know it's a deep ball, a five yard slant, or tight end uh, flat rollout. You know, once you run the ball three or four times, you make the defense think you're going to keep running the ball, and then you hit them with the play action, and they're wide open. So, uh, like I said, defense had some flashes, had some good flashes. Uh, obviously, kind of got fatigued at the end, uh, gave up a couple big plays that set Wisconsin up in the goal range uh, to eventually take the lead and score. Um, and that's just kind of the growing kick that we all saw that was coming. I know that I texted you guys in the moment <laughs> after we punted the ball. Uh, after we went three and out and I go, all right, everybody just brace yourselves and prepare for heartbreak. <laughs> and, uh, it happened, uh, per usual. So I think I'll pass it to Nate there. I also know I want to get in kind of to how the offense ran their last couple offensive drives, because that is more puzzling to me of how we kind of let that game slip out of our hands when we had complete control of it as well. But before we get into that, I'll pass it over to Nate and Zach. And, you know, if you guys have any thoughts on what you liked about either side of the ball uh, from what you saw of the game. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at things overall from a box score perspective, you know, when Casey Thompson goes 12 for 20 for two touchdowns, I'm thinking pretty close game at least if not hopefully getting a w out of that uh unfortunately he was also our leading rusher (laughs) so 33 yards of uh rushing on the ground there is not going to get you too far uh offensively so that so while uh we were getting some things done in the air we got those two touchdowns trey palmer as you mentioned uh the ground game just has been really non-existent uh for a while now i know anthony grant earlier in the year had a pretty good season going and uh, we mentioned before we got on he was uh nearing a thousand yards he just needs a hundred yard game here against iowa to <laughs> solidify that one so uh, we'll stay tuned for that uh, are we making <laughs> that could be a rough that could be a rough sell <laughs> but past that yeah it it has not been uh or it's been pretty tough sledding for really a lot of offense moving forward and i know a lot of that is going to come back to our offensive line where uh stop us again if you've heard this before but they uh can't walk (laughs) they are down bad and yeah more than down bad that you could think of yeah there were times where i just felt sorry for casey because i knew exactly what he was getting into as soon as they snapped the ball because you could see two or three of the defenders in the backfield almost instantaneously and uh some of the plays casey made were fantastic and he was able to actually get something productive out of it which was impressive in its own right but 
a lot of the time he was getting sacked or just barely getting back to the line of scrimmage or throwing a rough pass just because he was being pressured so heavily. It was very reminiscent of uh, what my team, the Minnesota Vikings, looked like against Dallas on uh, Sunday. Oof. Where, uh, <laughs> I believe they were pressured 63% of the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't quite that drastic, but it, it was not not a pleasant sight. So, offensively, yeah, there were, there were some bright spots. I mean, we got Trey Palmer the ball. We're... I mean, we needed it. We got Vokalek a couple decent catches, and Marcus Washington uh, was a decent contributor as well. But uh, and looking now, I guess there was an Omar Manning sighting too, which is always good. To I see. did see that. I it was. I think it was later in the game because there was one mm-hmm. point they went four or five wide, and I looked over. And I'm like, is that number five lining up on the ball <laughs> outside? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's still Omar's number, unless something went wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, offensively, I mean, 14 points is just not going to win you a whole lot of games. Uh, you you got to have a little a little bit better of a dynamic, uh, especially with how suspect our defense can be. And speaking of the defense, I mean, Malcolm Hartzog played well. Ernest Hausman, again, stepped up. He's a leading tackler. Garrett Nelson had himself a decent game. Um, but I... I I want to be mad at them for, you know, giving up that last drive, but they only gave up 15 points total. And if you're giving up 15 points, most teams are going to be able to overcome that. We're kind of the exception to that rule, but <laughs> it is promising to see that our defense can come up with big stops, can come up uh, and win things like the turnover battle and things like that. And, uh, you know, they obviously didn't make the stop when we needed it, but they looked a little more competent than the offense did, at least. And that's kind of, I guess, what I'll hang my hat on there. <laughs> so, not a great uh, way to finish out senior day, but, you know, they they tried their best to give us some hope. And, I mean, 14-3 to in the third quarter, you just... You gotta hope they can grind it out for that extra quarter and a half, and and they just couldn't. So, uh, but with that, I'll pass it over to Zach on any of his thoughts on uh, offense, defense, special teams, anything in between. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I I told you guys before we started. I'm kind of subjected to the point now that I'm just kind of ready for the end of the year, um, just so that we have that little bit of hope with the new coach coming in, but. Uh, offensively speaking, uh, again, stop us if you've heard this one, but tale of two halves, not that the first half was anything to write home about, but Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, they, they figured, they figured out a bit of what they need to do and they got, you know, that they got a pretty sizable lead and we were like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll finally solidify ourselves and, you know, get ourselves a win one that, you know, at least is decent and that we can we can say okay you know we might not be good this year we still aren't but that one happened and that was cool um but and then you saw it in the second half uh outside of maybe one or two drives total um just a nosedive and our offense which is so crazy to think too is it's it's 
and I know that we've faced stiffer comp- competition as we've come, you know, through the year compared to the beginning of the year, but <laughs> it's just wild to think that we went from being able to score, you know, anywhere between 20 points to 45, I think against Georgia Southern, you know, PS PTSD flashbacks there. But I mean, regardless, our offense just seems to have taken a completely different turn here in the last few games. Um, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily count Michigan in that same category because Michigan's just good. Um, but it, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be like confident. Go even even if they have the lead. So if we have another like fourteen and three game at halftime or whatever it was, I don't remember off the top of my head. Going into the half against Iowa, one, I'll be kind of surprised. But two, I will be like, okay, well, you just kind of wait for the inevitable collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately. To me, as I was watching the game and rewatching the game in certain spots, I told myself, like, the defense is not the reason that we lost the game. Like, yes, they eventually ended up losing us the game, technically, if we want to be, like, super specific about it, because obviously they gave up the final points for them to win the game. But they did not lose us the game overall, because again, like you both have pointed out, they held them to 15 points. Mm Mm-hmm. Any other college football world or team, sorry, would have absolutely been able to say, ah, we can overcome that. You know, I, I, I would call 20 or 21 a pretty common score in college football, and Nebraska can't even reach that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, once again, Nebraska proving that they can't find a way to hold on to the ball for longer than what feels like either a three and out or the touchdown drive. And there's like no in between, it seems. And unfortunately, it seems like it lands more on the three and out. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at the the, t- the stats here, just team-wise. The Wisconsin Badgers had the ball for 36 minutes and 57 seconds. Almost 40 minutes. Basically, you know, two-thirds of the game, the ball was in Wisconsin's hands. And they beat us by a point. If we could have five to ten more minutes and make it even... There's a real good shot we would have had. Heck, they would have probably won if we would have uh, held on to the ball for longer than a three and out in the last, what was it, like three and a half minutes that we got the ball back on offense? Yep. We a hundred percent we a hundred percent could have won that game if we would have just done simpler play calling that I I I just I don't understand sometimes what we're what we're trying to do or if we're trying to prove something to someone. I, I don't know if that's even accurate, true, whatever, but it's just watching the team sometimes. It's like they get to a point where they're, they're not even facing total adversity because we were winning at that mm-hmm. point. We were winning at that point. And it's like, yes, it's getting tough now, but like, you know, finish out the game. And it seems like Nebraska just gets in their head. Uh, not not everybody. And I, again, I we go all the way back. I'm not going to say it's Mickey's fault or I'm not going to say it's anybody's fault because, you know, they've been dealt the hand that they worked with all the rest of the season. And again, I think Nebraska just needs needs to clean house essentially or get a total new mindset, philosophy, whatever, whoever the new coach is, because we're at a point now where even in these winnable games, Mm-hmm. Again, a, a team, a Wisconsin team that was 100% beatable, that was beaten by all accounts until the last, you know, three and a half minutes for us. Um, and we still found a way to lose. And I think that's the way that I 
take this game is that we didn't we didn't win because we found the way to lose rather than we got bested and beat by a team we found a way to give the game up mm-hmm. and i know that's probably like a, a doomer take on it but still it's like you watch this team and you're like you you just you wonder when the collapse is going to happen and you make it through three quarters and then all of a sudden you're like hmm i have this weird feeling of hope mm-hmm. like we still like we're still doing okay like things look to be okay and then and uh, yeah and then, of course, the, you know, the Heisman drive from Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz I love that phrasing of it. That's so perfect. <laughs> just, it, you know, just sends it all down exactly where we thought it would go. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, I know when we talked last week on this, we thought Wisconsin was going to come in and just absolutely destroy us. And they didn't. Um, I mean, they destroyed our hope, but they didn't. I mean, they beat us by a point. And I mean, as much as we like to rag on the whole one score loss thing with the Scott Frost era. I mean, that's who Nebraska is right now is teams that we can beat and have the ability to beat. We just don't because Mm -hmm. we find the way to lose the game. And I'm not, I'm not specifically pointing out players or anything specifically at that. It's just, we are in such a, a spot where we can't, we can't get out of. And admittedly, I do think a new head coach is going to come in and be able to change that provided that we actually get some line help because God knows it's like you guys said, Casey would have done so much better if uh, we had a competent line and I'm talking average mm-hmm. average. I don't, we don't even need the top line in the country. We just need like middling. We don't even have that. Uh, we have some dogs. I'm not going to deny that. Um, that's more on the defensive side, like Nate said, but I mean, we, I mean, it's tough because we could sit here and talk for me. I could sit here and talk about this game till the sun goes down. Well, that's weird because it's already down, I guess, but I could sit here until, until, you know, the sun comes up. Rather. No, we could be recording this at 10 in the morning, Zach. <laughs> Viewers don't know. <laughs> well, they do now. <laughs> they know that the sun is down when we're recording this. Um, no, I, I could, I could talk about these games till I'm blue in the face, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because, after next week, or sorry, after Friday, we're, you know, come, at some point, either over the weekend or next week at the latest, I would imagine we're going to have a new head coach announced. And at that point, all we know of Nebraska football that we've done so far is probably going to be different, mm-hmm. hopefully for the better. But, you know, I mean, at keeping expectations in check, we'll see. But anyway, long ish type of quick <laughs> rant thoughts over, but. Um, I will pass it back to Andy for any continuing thoughts. Yeah. yeah, just kind of what you were saying about just, you know, this game wasn't lost on the defense. I mean, you hold somebody to under, I mean, you hold somebody to 15 points, you know, 83 passing yards that Graham Merge throws. And you're like, wow, we must have like really stuffed them all around. No, our run defense still sucks. That it's not, but it's not the reason we lost the game. I mean, you look at what you had mentioned, Zach, like the fourth quarter, I just doing a quick math. I mean, Nebraska had the ball three possessions and roughly maybe, maybe under five minutes. They had the ball in the fourth quarter uh, when you have a 14 to three lead. So that's not going to do it for you. And as we know, you know, it showed that we lose the game like that. Um, And what we've kind of seen from the offense and especially from Whipple all year is like the, inability to adapt to what we have 
Um, there's no sense of creativity to trying to adapt around or scheme around our line. Um, you know, I thought we would have seen a lot more, you know, just Casey rollouts or just bootlegs somewhere to get Casey out of the pocket when he's dropping three steps back and he's already having to scramble or get out of the pocket because he's getting rushed. So, you know, I thought we would have seen more of that. Like, okay, you know, we know our line sucks. So how do we try to get around that? How do we try to scheme around that? And I think it shows definitely in that last couple series there where you have the ball in the offense to either kill as much clock as you can and just kill the game or, you know, try to go down and get a score. And, you know, that, that position where we punted the ball back to them with three minutes left. I mean, we all knew what was going to happen. I mean, the offense went two running plays and then a third and seven where Casey throws it 20 yards to the outside to Trey Palmer on the sideline in front of him that goes out of bounds, stops the clock for Wisconsin, gives them a basically free timeout. And it's just, it's those like sort of situational awareness plays to where, you know, I think at some point Mickey needs to step up and like tell Whipple to get out of his own way. Um, and that's kind of what, I've noticed about Mickey is, you know, we know that he's a first time head coach. All of this new in situation game awareness is new to him. And, you know, we saw some of those flaws Saturday um, is just kind of the, the time management, the game management down the stretch to where, you know, if you get a couple first downs, you know, you kill the clock more, you make Wisconsin use their timeouts and you have a chance to further close out the game and kill the clock. And that's just some of those situations where I would have loved to have seen just some more offensive creativity or offensive aggressiveness. Instead, they kind of get conservative, go back into their shell, and the rest is history. But that's just kind of what we've seen, or at least what I've seen from Whipple all year, is just like the inability to be creative on offense, to work around with what you got. Because to me, it still seems like he's coaching like that he has a five-star quarterback and a Heisman candidate, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Atkinson and a good pit deep like offense. I'm like, no, you know, as the games have gone on, you clearly see that we are not what Pitt had last year with Whipple. So it's one of those. It's like, just adjust scheme, like do something different than what we currently are doing. And, you know, there's, I've seen no change on offense, which is maybe why defenses know how to play us because they're like, well, Whipple's not going to change his attitude or change his play calling. So we're just going to plan for that, not plan for anything else because he won't do anything else. So um, it's one of those. I mean, I guess the only exception I'll give to him is the Purdue game. Um, is like, you know, that was good in game awareness to know that, okay, the Purdue corners are getting beat. Let's just keep doing what we're going to do. And that, you know, go back to running the ball, which we also did not do very well that game. But, you know, at the same time, Zach, I agree. I'm just kind of ready to stop complaining about the offense and just get over the season because we know Whipple's not going to be here next year. Um, So we can finally stop complaining about him. Um, Makes me wonder if he's checked out at all, too. He could be. I mean, I'm not saying like he was calling plays to mm -hmm. because like there were some creative stuff or some creative plays that he called up like right. I don't think he's completely checked out, but I do think he's either on his way to either retirement or getting another job, but you can just kind of tell. And I, I mean, I think him being up in the booth also right. wasn't, I don't think he likes that. No. And I have nothing to base this off of other than just, you know, pure <laughs> speculation, but I don't know. Like if you're, if you're a coach that is on the sideline for however long he's been coaching, mm-hmm. I can't imagine he likes being relegated to the booth. But. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. I think 
those were some of like the whispers and the rumors when they when he first got hired it was like he was kind of like on his way out of the door at Pitt to retire anyway. So the fact that he even took the job was, you know, maybe just one last hoorah or just a new change of scenery. Maybe it'll work out. But, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, he just decides to stay retired after this year because I we all kind of thought that's what he was going to do before he even took the Nebraska job. Um, but yeah, I just kind of over just complaining about him and the offense and just looking forward to next year. Uh, we know Casey said he'll make a decision after the season, whether he's going to come back for next year or not. Um, obviously I'm sure that's going to be dependent on who they hire, uh, which is probably why he's wait, wanting to wait to see, but you know, I think that would save the new coaching staff a lot of ease and a lot of pain if you get to keep Casey for one more year. Just so at least you have some sort of veteran quarterback at the helm uh, to help you kind of rebuild and get this thing off the ground again. Instead of having to look for, you know, our current backup quarterback room, which we have found out is not good uh, at all. Um, it saves you to having to beat to go try to find a transfer quarterback uh, in the portal after the season ends. So. Yeah, it's just overall, it's just, like I said at the beginning, it's just frustrating that, you know, this is the most beautiful Wisconsin has ever looked since we played them, and we still couldn't get it done. Um, I would have said that a couple weeks ago against Iowa, or looking at Iowa, but now, you know, not so much anymore. Uh, I was sort of kind of picked it up on offense. Uh, Their defense is still really good, but their offense is starting to find a groove, which is not good for us. Their defense is going to tear us apart. Their offense yeah. could be bottom tier, worst thing in the league, and mm-hmm. uh, and their defense is going to they're going to yeah. roll over us. I f- I hate to be the doomer guy again, but it's not going to be pretty on Friday. Probably not. <laughs> uh, it's just it's, yeah. At this point, I'm done ranting about the program. Done ranting about the team. I think I speak for all of us and probably all of Husker Nation. Like we're just ready for the new coach just to start talking about the optimism and start having the Kool-Aids be refilled in our jugs because it's uh hasn't run up to yet. It's sure looking like it's pretty dry until we get a new head coach to get us our Kool-Aid back. So with that kind of transition, unless you guys have any other thoughts about the game, which we probably don't special teams didn't really do anything. So I will say this real quick, just on special teams, just because I know like when we started talking about the Husker football season and everything, that mm-hmm. last year, special teams was atrocious. Mm-hmm. The fact that we can now say, hey, special teams did what they needed to do, mm-hmm. or there was some bad things, but like, that's it's great. It's so nice to be we're able to be like, uh, we're, it's, not, it's, we're not yeah, getting to the wrong side of the field. You know, we're not giving up pump yes. returns, kick returns. Um, you know, Bushi- I mean, I would say the Bushini and Bleak Road, who we got out of the portal, were like one of our best, besides Casey and Trey Palmer, but like they were one of our best gets out of the transfer portal coming into the season. I mean, they have proved that they are what they were said to have been when they went into the portal. So, you know, Bushini's, he hasn't really necessarily saved us a lot of games, but he saved us a lot of 
uh, defensive drives where like last year, you know, we're kicking the ball 25 yards. I mean, he's getting 40 plus yards each punt pending them deep. So he's at minimum saved us a lot of special teams heartbreak, Correct. which if we talk yeah. about last mm-hmm. year, that was the key. Like that was what everybody pointed as the key moments that lost us the game. Right. Hindsight being what it is now, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe there was a bit more to it, but point still stands. Right. Uh, but yeah, well, that's kind of our special teams wrap up there. Uh, you know, it's good that we don't have anything bad to talk about with the special teams. So, I know we've said that all year. It's like, if we don't have anything to say about the special teams, it usually means that they didn't mess up too bad. So, <laughs> uh, but with that, before we kind of get into uh, the Iowa preview, kind of what we want to see out of that game, we'll go into the uh, the hot goss mill. Um, I know we said, talked about this earlier. Uh, somebody saw Urban at the uh, Miller Lumberyard and Waverly over the weekend. So, you know, we got we got that going for us. <laughs> We've been updated from <laughs> barbershop talk to lumberyard talk. <laughs> so it's uh all right. You know, you believe what you want to believe on Twitter and the message boards of crazy Husker fanatics, but uh, some kind of notable news that has happened throughout the past week is kind of three names that were, well, one name I was definitely big on most people's coaching search lists and a couple others that were, on the list, but not really as big as uh, Lance Leipold. Uh, well, I guess all three of Mark Stoops at Kentucky, Kalen DeBoer at Washington, and Lance Leipold at Kansas all got offered and signed extensions to their contracts, ultimately taking them out of the uh, coaching search for Nebraska. So all that news kind of happening within within a week for sure, maybe the past four to five days. Um, I know Mark's, the Mark Stoops news was the earliest one to come out. Lance Leipold was just yesterday. Uh, that that news drops. So we're just kind of at this point, I think, like I said, we've all just are kind of, kind of waiting just to see when we're going to get some sort of announcement for a press conference from Trev. Uh, it's you know, like, I, I've said the past couple of weeks, I'm like, the only reason you would not announce something before the Iowa game is if it's a current coach that you want, that is like in a conference championship or trying to like let their coach finish out the season of wherever they're at, because it doesn't make sense if it was like Matt rule or Mickey to not announce them before the season ends, because you know, why would you want to wait that long? That being said, Matt rule is still not out of the picture yet. From what we've heard, he kind of lost steam over the weekend, but has now picked up steam again in the past couple days here. Uh, one that we all are more or less shocked about uh, that has picked up steam within the past 24 hours is Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, which I think, you know, if Trevor to pull that uh, higher off, you know, I know we all agreed that we didn't think like the sexy hub run hire was the way you had to go here. But if Tread pulls off Lou Fickle, that's your sexy home run hire right there. I'll be the first to say <laughs> that when we were talking about it early on and people were like, oh, we should go for Fickle. I was like, no shot. And if it happens, I'll be glad to I'll be the first one to say I was wrong and I'm happy about it. I know we've been we joked about before we hopped on is if Trev pulls that off, we'll uh, We'll just erect the uh, statue of Trev in front of Memorial Stadium the day after he gets announced. (laughs) Uh, But uh, another couple names that were kind of been popping up more recently that have been thrown out there is uh, 
Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, uh, which I also wouldn't think would be a bad hire. Uh, definitely just where he's taking Kansas State to where they are today and just how successful he has been at building up programs. I don't think he would be a terrible hire, more of a preferred hire right now uh, over Urban. Is. I'm still not on the Urban train, but man, it's the only exception I would take to that is if he kind of groomed Mickey Joseph to be the next head coach. That would be my only exception to me wanting Urban here. Uh, outside of that, uh, one name that kind of really threw us all off that we didn't really see coming was Bronco Mendenhall, who is an ex-BYU coach and Virginia coach that has big somehow... Big no. Big yeah, no. It's a really big no, no. somehow his or name pass. has gotten steam. Uh, if, his na- if he's the guy, I'm out. <laughs> right. It's... That's it's I'm yeah. When Nate told us that was yesterday or two days ago, I was like, who? <laughs> so that's that's the more surprising name that's picked up some steam in the past couple days. Uh, but the one that's like really exciting, really intriguing is the Luke Fickle hype that's been happening uh, recently. But that's kind of what we know right now. Um, obviously, Mickey is still on the table. And Mickey spoke yesterday and he got asked a bunch of questions about, or I guess, no, he spoke Tuesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday is Wednesday. Yeah. He spoke mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, the, just about, you know, what's the season going to do after, like, what does it look like after the season for him? You know, has he talked to Trev? Uh, he said, no, he hasn't talked to Trev about anything about the job yet. Um, he just said after the season's done, he's going to take some time and, you know, he'll be sitting on his couch waiting for a phone call. So, you know, that is also kind of kind of makes me believe that like Trev's number one target is still out there and it's not Mickey right now. Um, that's just kind of how I don't know if Mickey's just being humble and not trying to give us anything, but that's kind of how I took his answer too. is Trev has some sort of number one and maybe number two guy that's not Mickey. And Mickey is just going to be glad to help if he gets offered any sort of job here. Uh but with that, I'll pass it to Nate and Zach. Kind of your guys' thoughts on the rumored coaches right now, who we would want to see. Yeah, so I'll say it's just an exciting time to be alive right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska football has been, uh, whew, this has been a nice uh, kind of reprieve, a nice little uh, fallback that we can, uh, I guess, follow for at least another week or so, it sounds like. I'd be like you said, Zach. I'd be surprised if we hear anything on Thanksgiving. That my, it would be a my stipulation to that, Nate, <laughs> is if we're sitting here a week from today and we still don't know who the coach is. Yeah, I will officially be going insane because I'll have concerns reason. at that point. Yeah, I will. I will. I will be very much concerned that Trev started striking out with people after the Iowa game or after conference championship weekend. Uh, it's. I don't know why, why would we wait that long, but I would start to be losing my mind about it. I know that I, much. I would pump the brakes just a bit because it could be the fact that like a team is still in a conference championship, like a Cincinnati or something. So, like Brian I Kelly. Would, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, remember, remember, like two minutes ago, when I said to temper your expectations, Andy. That's the exact opposite. <laughs> That's. N- 
I wouldn't be opposed yeah. to it, but there's no shot. <laughs> yeah, Andy, we're going to pick up some scrub like Nick Saban instead. You're right. Let's right. be realistic here. Not in the conference championship weekend. Sorry. <laughs> but no, this is this is what we're living for right now. This is the fun part of it. Uh, nobody seems to know who it's going to be. It's the Wild West of coaching searches right now. Everyone's throwing out a random name on Twitter and hoping it sticks. It's it's fantastic. I'm absolutely loving this time of year. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have to go through it for a while after another week or so. But yeah. uh, who knows past that? But uh, I don't know. I'm excited. It's going to be... Hopefully someone that can bring a new culture to the program, just bring something that, uh, I don't know, we can all really buy into. And I don't know, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be that sexy home run hire, but also just someone who is level-headed and isn't going to be, I don't know, bringing in any sort of frills or anything. And I think, I think we have a lot to offer in Nebraska. I, we're, <laughs> I know we're not the greatest program right now. We're not in the best spot right now, but I mean, we're, we're still pulling in good recruiting classes. I know we've been top 25, top 30 for the past few years, at least. And so it really just comes down to finding a coach that can develop the talent we have, because it's not like we're just bringing in these one or two star guys and hoping something sticks. It's we're, we're getting, respectable players out of high school we just past few regimes just have not been able to really develop or groom any of the talent and so i think hopefully it's someone that we can get in and i would really like to see i don't know if it was necessarily a joke tweet or not but uh one of the sports writers for nebraska mentioned that uh we need to just kind of clean house and then start over bring in a coach that's going to just recruit hard on the O-line and D-line front. And I, I kind of like the idea. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but, uh, that didn't, seems to wasn't be it, uh, wasn't it something like just go 90% all in on recruiting just linemen mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't hate it. Cause I mean, we've been clearly losing the battle in the trenches for a while now. And that seems to be somewhere where you can really flip things pretty quickly. You get the right guys in there that are, you know, power guys who can help you on both sides of the ball. And I think that, that could be fun to watch. Use that, get your 90% of your guys on O-line, D-line, and then build through the transfer portal. Get your playmakers, get your quarterback, your wide receivers, etc. through the transfer portal. I mean, sky's the limit there, it sounds like. I mean, even if it's not a long-term solution, just for your next four-year plan or something. Get the offensive defensive line set. Get your playmakers to the transfer portal. Win a few games here and there. You know, really build the program back. It's It'll be a rebuild. It's I won't sugarcoat that, but it could be more fun than what we're expecting. <laughs> and so... Uh, just kind of bring it home, hopefully. I think, I think that's all Nebraska fans want right now is, yeah. is fun. Because what we have, what we have right now, is not fun. <laughs> nope. Fun with a little bit of hope sprinkled in would be nice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just someone. I mean, we've we've got the brand. We've got like Nebraska people still know Nebraska's Nebraska. We have NIL that's sitting there. We have plenty of money we can throw at the situation if we want to. It's not like we're 
scrapped for anything like that. And we just need to be able to find a guy who brings his own philosophy in, I think. And that's that's something I've read this. We need to really hit the ball to the park with a coaching hire is not someone that's going to say like uh, <clears throat> previous coaches where we're going to be the best in the Big Ten because I say so or we're going to the Big Ten's going to adapt to us. Uh, yeah, that, that'll never that. happen. Whatever <laughs> coach cover comes in here. Yeah. Ohio State's the exception yeah. because they've been good forever. So, yep, we need to find a philosophy, find a, a football brand, and stick to it for however long the next tenure is. And we just need to be ourselves and uh, find a leader who's willing to just put the philosophy in the ground and. Uh, kind of lead past that so that's kind of my thoughts on on coaching i guess and what i'm hopefully excited and hopeful to see uh by next week but uh i'll pass over to zach on any of his thoughts oh you've hit the nail on the head i think um perfectly i know we had talked about it and i know that nate and i both sent you know like four paragraph long text messages to each other after the game but uh i agree 100 i still think that the nebraska brand even though uh, we use the term down bad, um, you know, I don't think Nebraska as an overall brand and um, job for somebody coming in isn't as, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think we're as down bad as, you know, we, as we kind of, as fans watching the football itself feel because Nebraska still is a top. And I say top program in the sense of like, when you see, when you see the N somewhere, whether it's the Netflix end now, uh, on the helmet or the old block end, you know, most people know, I mean, if you're thinking football, regardless, they know that's, that's the Nebraska end. So, I mean, our brand still has clout, if you will. And I, I do think, you know, with NIL, I, that's one of the reasons specifically that Casey Thompson even said he transferred here was because he saw really good NIL opportunity. And I'm hoping that that also is what propels him to stay because, regardless of how bad the year has been, he has been a pretty good quarterback for us. And my, I mean, that kind of, that, that kind of goes into the rest of the, the philosophy behind Nebraska just itself is that whoever you get in here as a coach can use the brand and say, Hey, you can play for Nebraska. You can play for, you know, let's, let's use the example that it is Matt rule or Luke fickle. And you can say, Hey, you can come play for Luke fickle at Nebraska. He's got an idea. He's got he's got a, a thought, and he's here's how he's going to turn the program around. And again, I, I know we both have or we've all touched on it. As long as we don't hear any buzzwords or you know uh, philosophy, you know Nate, you touched on this perfectly. Is as long as we have somebody that brings in a philosophy, or even if their philosophy is, I'm going to do what my job is and get a football team ready. If that's what we hear on whoever the coach is on the introductory press conference that says, hey. I don't have big schemes. I don't have big plans to overtake the Big Ten. I want to come in and build a competent team. I'm going to be happy with that. And again, I think, um, you know, most people think that college football rebuilds take anywhere between four to five years or longer. Thus why when Scott Frost was hired, everybody was like, give him four years, give him four years, give him five years. At the time, I would say that was an accurate statement. Now with NIL being as big as it is and the transfer portal being as solid as it is, again, if we start focusing on the on the line and we get the right people in from the transfer portal and we get the right guy, which is the key, if we get the right guy, and I don't know, that could be that could be multiple people. 
We just got to get the right guy for what we need for us. And if we can get those, then Nebraska could be quote unquote back. And I say it very loosely, but they could be back within, uh, you know, they could be bowling next year. I, I don't necessarily think that's quite going to happen. I think that's ridiculously, um, you know, out there, but it's not impossible. And again, I know I've used this example multiple times through the season as we've talked about it, um, and it has proven me slightly wrong. But I mean, Mel Tucker did it at Michigan State, and he went. I mean, he went. What was it? Ten and two, I think. Maybe not that much, but uh, somewhere around there. But it was he. He got a bowl in his year there uh, as soon as he came in, and he granted. I'm not saying that we need to build our team off the transfer portal, but we could see success within a year or two off that transfer portal because of the Nebraska brand. So uh, I know I said Nate hit the nail on the head and then I went on a five minute tangent with it. But basically uh, I agree. It's I think Nebraska is ironically enough as bad as we look right now, football wise. I do think we are still a very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, highly touted job. That's not the word. Um, it's not coming to me, but I think we're a job that looks oh, attractive. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I think we're an attractive job for whoever wants to get it. And I do think mm-hmm. that I think it should be commended that Trev has been so quiet about uh, the search. Uh, right. And I know, I know like it drives people crazy because we all just want to know. But I also have this theory that we're like, well, it wouldn't make sense if it's Mickey just announced it earlier, or if it's, you know, rule, he's not coaching, announced it earlier. Um, I have a theory that this is all being done on purpose because then it's like, don't let people know your moves essentially. Like I I think Trev is playing somewhat of a version of chess where he's Mm -hmm. like, he's like, he's got it. He's got it tied down to where people don't know. People are taking guesses and yes, it would make sense if these guys aren't coaching now. So if it is somebody like urban or, um, rule or Mickey, you know, uh, they could be announced right now, but I'm, I don't think that's why Tre- I think Trev is doing his job and saying, don't let anybody know I, whether that amounts to good or bad. We don't know. Um, in my gut, for whatever reason, I, I feel like it's going to be a decent hire. And I say mm-hmm. decent as in it might not be the sexy hire, which is fickle at this point, but if it's rule, he kind of fits my category. He, I've come around on him, and he fits my category of not necessarily the most sexy hire, but definitely somebody that's got a good resume and I think um, could be a good guy. My only issue with him, not even issue, is just how long will it take him to adapt back to college football after being mm-hmm. in the NFL with how much has changed since he's been to the NFL. But that is that is what it is, and I don't think that's really uh, – I don't think that's really as big of a deal because I think there's people that uh, are aware of all these things that will help out. So, um, I mean, there's a company in Lincoln that specifically does NIL stuff Mm -hmm. for them. So he wouldn't, he might not even necessarily need to do anything outside of be the face of it to say, Hey, come play for Nebraska. Right. You know, um, with that, I was, uh, I know we've kind of already touched on it, but, um, Mm -hmm. Who are your guys, like, with the three or four names that we have now, like, if you had to rank them, and, you know, if we were, if if it was all on the board, who mm-hmm. would you want? Like, who's your top one? Who's who's number two and who's three? Mine is, now that Fickle's picked up a lot of steam, <laughs> uh, I would probably go Fickle, Kleiman, then Rule. 
Uh, Mickey will be four uh, if I had to include a fourth, but top three would be those three for me right now. Right on. I think I'm somewhere in the same ballpark as you, Andy. I'd mm-hmm. say probably Fickle, number one, definitely. Um, he is, as you mentioned, kind of that home run sexy hire we've all been kind of talking about. Um, I think I'm going to go Mickey, two, and then Rule, three. Ooh. I still got Mickey pretty high on my list. I Ooh, think. I like I it. You get the job done. I am going to go slightly different outside of number one. If we can get Fickle, mm-hmm. I'm sold. And Trev can be the athletic director for another 30 years. He's He's got my vote. Um, as if that means anything. Um, number two for me would be Rule. Like I said, I've really come around on him. I think, I think, I don't necessarily think he's great, but I think he's really good. I think he's like, if you know, you're given, if you're given rankings, uh, Fickle is like a nine or a 10. Mm-hmm. Rule is somewhere between a seven to an eight. And then under that, you know, is not really that bad, but uh, then my number three would probably be Mickey. I think, I think Mickey would do well with his staff. The problem is, who would he have as his staff? That's right. That's the that's the kicker. Is we can we afford to use an experiment on Mickey, which could pay off? But mm-hmm. man, I just I don't know. That's that's the thing that's kind of holding me back about Mickey Tuzak is. You know, I was like Fickle or Kleinman or any other coach like you would know who they would bring in with their staff, uh, you know, whether you know, there's no guarantee that they would keep Mickey or like Bill Bush or anybody on the current staff either. Uh, but, you know, you would like to see that at the same time. Yeah, that's what's holding me back about Mickey is like you have no idea who he is going to bring in. Um, and that's the part that I would love to know about beforehand. Uh, it's just. Yeah, we don't know who he's going to bring in, what his offense, defense would look like, because I know we've mentioned it before, like, you know, he's a wide, he was a wide receivers coach and, you know, he kind of skipped, you know, being promoted to an offensive coordinator and went right to, you know, interim head coach. So he's never had to oversee, you know, either one side of the ball, let alone an entire team with recruiting operations and everything that goes into being a head coach. So we kind of don't know what, like offensive identity Mickey would want to go to. Um, obviously, if he was hired, he would still keep Bill Bush because um, he had mentioned that in his press conference t- uh, yesterday too. Is you know just how he and Bill, you know, their days together at LSU working together. You know, they just kind of get along so well. So I'd imagine if he was kept on, Bill Bush would be defensive coordinator, a hundred percent for sure. Uh, I'd be good with it. Right. And that's 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 one of the maybe more obvious answers to his coaching staff. Maybe most of the defense. He, I don't know. He might just let Bill Bush make some changes uh, in terms of other assistants. But it's the offense more that I'm intrigued about uh, because that's been kind of the, the kicker for us this entire season is, you know, the offense just kind of looking good and then just being flat out awful. But. With the at the same time, the other coaches, you know, they can bring their current offensive defensive staffs with them. Uh, again, no guarantee that they keep Mickey either, which I know a lot of us would love. But at the same time, uh, you know, Mickey said yesterday too is yeah, you know, if I get offered any sort of job, I would love to you know stay here coaching at Nebraska. But he also understands it's a business, uh, and business decisions have consequences too. So it would be nice, but I I'm in the same boat of. 
those are my top three guys. And if Mickey's kept on for any of them, I would love that. But I just, I, it would be hard for me to believe, especially if you get like fickle or Kleinman that they would keep Mickey on. Um, but you know, we had that situation too, when Callahan got hired, you know, they kept Turner Gill on from Solich's staff for like a year because Turner Gill knew that, you know, I'll try to show you to the Nebraska ropes. This is what Nebraska's like. And then Turner got fired a year later uh, type thing. So I don't want to say that'll happen with Mickey or want that to happen with Mickey, but that's kind of like how that option would be if that happened to you was maybe Mickey sticks around for another year or so. Um, and then maybe another power five school calls for him too. So that's also a real possibility. And I'm sure, you know, he, I don't know if necessarily he wants that, but I'm sure other schools might see what he has done here after Scott and be like, you know, if he cleans and works on some of those things, you know, he can be a good head coach somewhere someday for a power five school. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't have much else to say with the coaching search rumor mills. What we want, uh, unless you guys have anything else to say before we kind of dive into, you know, the last game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I am excited. I will say this just like overall quickly. I am excited next week to hopefully be able to talk about the new coach because I sure hope we'll we're finally talking about all it. of this. All of this discussion will finally come to a head and we'll be able to have something to talk about as in ah, new info and hope maybe. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm hope we're sitting here next episode talking about our new head coach. Uh, maybe a Husker win, not optimistic about that, but it would be a nice little cherry on top of that episode too. Uh, it says talk about a win, but yeah. So going into Friday, 3 PM black Friday game per usual. Uh, I'll sure a lot of us will either be really happy, really sad, or, you know, distraught because the U S world cup soccer matches at one o'clock before our game. So back to back sporting events that will either help my emotions or just make me more sad watching football <laughs> depending on how the u.s game goes but nonetheless last game of the season um i know like we said we kind of all just want the season to be over uh for just how awful it's been at this time but at the same time it's also like one of those you know enjoy it while it lasts because i'm sure in a couple months i'll be complaining about man i just want husker football to be back like in some capacity again, I'm watching it. So it goes both ways to where I want it to be done, but I know I'll complain in a couple months of, Oh, I kind of miss watching Husker football on Saturdays, going to Memorial stadium, all of those fun things. But, you know, I think that's, if I offer any sort of advice for anybody and optimism is, you know, we might suck, we might lose, but just kind of enjoy watching the last Husker game of the year. Uh, and, hopes that we get a new coach sometime after that shortly after that. But, uh, Andy, like a lot of Mickey's press conference for, you know, to yesterday was a little bit about just kind of his future, but also what he's learned about coaching and kind of looking forward to the Iowa game. I think one of my favorite quotes <laughs> that he said, uh, that he's learned as being a head coach is to uh, stay off Twitter and stay off social media. <laughs> Which uh, I think that's just good advice for anybody. But at the same time, I love Twitter. It's I was we all love Twitter. I at least the three of us do <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, but he kind of talked about the game. Um, you know, acknowledges that uh, Iowa's defense is really stout. You know, 
as much as many top 10 defenses we've played all year, I think this one might be the best in terms of consistently being aggressive on defense, forcing turnovers, even on special teams too. Iowa forces a lot of mistakes and a lot of turnovers uh, that they make you do. So Nebraska will definitely have their hands full on the offense. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't even know where to start with what I want to see out of the offense. Um, Obviously I want to keep saying every game, you know, establish the run, get the run game going, but we've done absolutely jack with that. And I don't know if Whipple will get out of his own way for that. Um, He just might air the ball out and be like, I don't care. It's my last game. I'm just going to throw whatever is out there. And if he does that, I hope it's creative fun that he throws out there that works. Cause you know, at this point, what do you got to lose? Uh, with this YOLO game. bombs to Trey Palmer all right. game. <laughs> it's, it's, that's kind of how I felt against the Wisconsin game too when they didn't go on some of those fourth and two, fourth and ones. I'm like, go for it. What do you got to lose? I mean, yeah, you might win, but or you might not win. But at the same time, I mean, like <laughs> you're not playing for anything. Wisconsin certainly isn't playing for, you know, a Big Ten championship division at least. But, uh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, like this obviously comes down to us in the way of either Iowa going to Indianapolis for the big 10 championship, or if they lose to us, they don't go. So Iowa's going to have a chip on their shoulder to come out and be aggressive and win because if they win, they go to Indy to probably either get mauled by Ohio state or Michigan, depending on who wins that game this weekend. Uh, my money's probably more towards Ohio state, uh, probably kicking their butts right now. But I thought about that last year too. And Michigan rolled over, Ohio State, so I guess it could go either way for that game. But regardless, uh, I think if the offense can kind of make Iowa do what they did in the early part of the season to just kind of be stacked it on offense and not be very good, I think we do have a better chance to win this game. Uh, you know, like I said, the past couple of weeks, Iowa has picked up a lot of momentum on offense. They've been scoring touchdowns on offense. Not very many, but they have been scoring offensive touchdowns that are not defense or special team touchdowns. So that kind of gives them a little motivation, a little boost to be, you know, more competent on offense. But, you know, I think it's the same concept this week is if you make Petrus throw, you know, you have a better shot of winning this game. Uh, you know, it's like, like we've said before, you know, holding a quarterback to 83 passing yards, you're like, wow, we must have really killed them because we played so well. Now it turns out if you give up 235 yards of rushing offense, you know, you also aren't going to do well. But I think that's also my key to the game is, you know, make Peters, make Iowa throw. Uh, I hope Bill Bush is, you know, like I said before, uh, Laporta, their top tight end is out for Iowa. So that kind of helps with, uh, kind of guarding against one of the better tight ends in the big 10, maybe the country, but you know, I, I was done that for, to us for years as they love using the tight end, either play action, roll out, just getting their tight ends involved in the passing game. And we usually can't stop them. So hopefully Bill Bush kind of realizes that, and, you know, adapts to stopping, you know, guarding the tight ends more uh, in that concept. But yeah, I'll pass it to Nate. See you. What your guys' thoughts, what you want to see out of our final game of the season. Yeah, so I think what I want to see out of this final game of the season is kind of what I've wanted to see for a lot of the games uh, since Scott Frost got fired. It's just a competent team that's competitive and gives us a chance to stay in the game and win. Um, 
what that means, I don't know exactly um, on offense or defense, but I mean, I think our defense is competent enough to stop them on offense. I know they've been on a bit of a roll offensively lately, Iowa has, but um, I think our defense, I mean, we held Wisconsin to 15. We've held a lot of teams, I mean, within reach at least, you know, they haven't besides Michigan, they haven't necessarily been blowouts or anything. So it's, I think our defense can at least keep it close. Uh, offense, I would like to see, yeah, I don't know. YOLO bombs to Trey Palmer, I think is a good, <laughs> a good uh, barometer for kind of what I want to see. I, I wouldn't be upset with seeing, I don't know, just some creative and good plays out of it. Establish your own would be nice if we had an offensive line. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to have to make plays through the air as best we can. It's probably going to lead to a lot of interceptions, but if we can break a few of those plays, get Trey Palmer, run some good routes, I think there's at least a chance there that we can pull off mm-hmm. an upset. So, And I, I you know, we saw that with Wisconsin is I know I say this every week is, you know, if you get any sort of turnover or big defensive play on defense or special teams, uh, just to create some momentum for your offense, it worked. And, you know, we saw last week, Hardjaw got the interception. Next offensive drive, we come down and score a touchdown. So it's it's just so some of those key, like, momentum plays, you know, that may not look, you know, particularly well, like Graham Mertz throwing a duck into the 20-mile-per-hour headwind uh, that just kind of hung up there for Hardjaw. But, you know, I've said it every week is, you know, you just get, you know, some of those key turnovers, one or two turnovers, just get some good, better field position momentum for the offense. Um, you know, just get your offense set up in good field position. Things can think good things can happen. Um, you know, we saw it with uh, off Rutgers uh, is, you know, you get the turnovers and then you come down and you score a touchdown. Um, just get any sort of momentum for your offense. Uh after a turnover or anything like that. So I think I agree, Nate, you know, you, you're going to need the other two phases of the game to help your offense uh, this last game of the season. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. And it'll, it'll be tough. It'll be an uphill battle, but I don't think it's exactly out of our reach necessarily. So I, I mean, that's obviously a very optimistic outlook on it, but (laughs) I think it's, it's certainly uh, a possible and a plausible outcome so i'll go ahead and pass it over to zach on any of his quick thoughts on uh, the upcoming game i've said it all year and i'll continue to say it well all year since frost got fired is uh consistency which i'll keep pushing for it until the season's over because unfortunately i haven't seen it yet but this will be a game uh at least when our defense and their offense is on the field it's going to be a game of stoppable object versus movable or yeah, stoppable force versus versus movable object. It's going to be great because it's either going to be like what we saw for the entire Wisconsin game where like nothing happens and it's just not exciting. And then their defense just kills us each time. But honestly, what I, I kind of want to see just some last minute surprises. Like we're like, we're not going bowling this year. So going out with a win over Iowa would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to see just some kind of surprising plays. Like, you know, I, I joke about YOLO bombs to Trey Palmer, but I mean, that would be pretty great. I think, uh, I think seeing some flashy plays like that, and I don't think we're going to be able to establish the run game. Um, we just, 
don't have the players up front to do it. Um, uh, especially against Iowa's defense. Um, that's the other thing is if we can, if we can score a little bit on them, I'll be, I think I'll be pleased because their defense is solid. (laughs) Um, and not only that, uh, I was looking just statistically, um, so they have total yards for the season on offense is 253 yards. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like they're burning down the barn or nothing. Um, but they also have only allowed 273. So uh, they're really stout on the defense. And I guess, I, like I said, I just want to see us come out and fight. Fight and play some consistent football because – you know, I know I've already succumbed myself to saying, ah, this one's probably a loss, but I mean, it's not totally impossible. And I think that's the thing is if we can go out with a win um, and kind of carry some momentum for next year, whoever the coach is, you know, um, and come in with a chip on our shoulder and be like, okay, you know, we were able to, we were able to improve at the end of the year, even if it is just one game, you know, we still were able to improve and we would finally have beaten Iowa again for however long it's been since we last did it um so for me yeah consistency uh some surprises maybe some fun i guess um and uh honestly it's not this isn't even about the game i just i am ready for the game to happen so that way we can finally look forward to the new coach correct um Regardless of the outcome, I think that's just the the key thing on the on everybody's mind is, mm-hmm. you know, let's get through the year and see who we got coming in because that's going to make or break, I think, a lot of Husker fans, uh, at least right. probably our age. <laughs> so well, did we that, want to uh, predict our scores? Yeah, now? Yep, that's yeah, exactly that's where cool. I was going to go. Uh, if anybody has a score off the top of their head first, <laughs> while I think of mine. <laughs> I think I got... Okay. Mine all. So I was ten and a half point favorite, mm-hmm. which is up from the nine that they opened with, I think. And we have... under thirty and a half. We did cover last game, and the under did hit. So think about yeah, that. I I'm the under not hit confident at twenty nine when it was thirty nine. So all all that tells me is never bet. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to keep up. I'll, I'll be our Husker optimist or our local Husker, Husker optimist here. But uh, I think Nebraska 2014, I think that's going to gonna be my prediction here. I think we, out of spite, I think we beat <laughs> Iowa and keep them out of the Big Ten title game. So I will go. I'll... I'll be optimistic too for the last game of the year. Why not? But I'll go seventeen uh, fourteen Nebraska, and we finally get a game-winning field goal that Iowa has done to us so many times. Ah <laughs> uh, man, put me in a put me in a tough spot here. Then, um, lose for predictions this year, Zach. Drink the Kool Aid, Zach. We all suck. <laughs> you know. Uh, we might as well be, we might as well be positive. It's the last game of the year and we're going to have, we're going to have some news hopefully next week to talk about, um, whether it's good or bad. We'll see. We're going to finally be at the end, I think. So, uh, I want to see us with a win. I'm going to predict a win. Uh, it's going to be one of those games that on paper, it it should be all Iowa, but Nebraska is going to, going to do the thing and somehow they're going to pull it off. And I'm going to say 
21 to 17. Mm, um, all right. Which is not, which is not because I did, I was going to actually say the same thing. I was like, man, it'd be nice to have that last minute field goal that wins us the game. But hmm. well, I guess it could, I mean, we'd be technically ahead at that point still, but we'd we be are, the one to seal the game. We so. are the under boys. We don't believe in points this game. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> specifically, specifically because of how um, just rancid the offenses are. Yep. <laughs> I mean, ours, ours on paper looks better, but I, no, <laughs> it's, right. it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So with that, uh, hopefully, you know, like I said before is, you know, as much as the season has sucked and how much we suck as a team, we want it to be over. Just uh, last Husker game of the season. So hopefully, you know, win or lose, we all can just kind of enjoy the last winning moments of Husker football this season. And hopefully we're sitting here next week talking to you about my new Husker coaches along, along with hopefully a Husker win too. But uh, more importantly, hopefully a new Husker coach uh, next time that we record. Uh if it's longer than that, then I'm going to go insane a little bit, but it'll be fine. But, you know, you can always uh, check us out on our socials, on Facebook, on Twitter. Let us know anytime what your guys' thoughts, questions you want to ask us, thoughts that you want us to discuss on the program. Uh, yeah, just check those out on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, if it's a possibility, it's a Nebraska ability.